Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. I'm Simon. And I'm Haney. We are Native in Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 241, recorded in full view of a live audience. They were better than the ones in Utrecht. Indeed. So we are at Data Mines Connect in Mechelen on October the 10th, 2023. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on nidibintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. So this is, again, a recording in front of a live audience, and that is going to impact audio and all those things. But this also means that we have a wonderful opportunity to interact with listeners, which is exceedingly difficult in a podcast, usually. <laughs> kind of the problem with podcasts, really. So we're going to revisit a conversation that we had a couple of episodes ago that started with personal branding. And as no. usually happens... No. <laughs> It didn't start with personal branding. Of course it did. No, no. We started talking about the current job market. Yeah. That was the start of the conversation. And then as one part of that, we talked about personal branding. And then we ended up with reputation at the end of that. And as I said, we started with personal branding. <laughs> and no, Haney is right because it was her the episode that started the whole thing. But we, we realized that, wait a second, there is so much more to personal branding, especially in the view of the community. How, how does that work? What is personal branding, for instance? We're going to dive into that in a bit. So let's start with the, um, the obvious question, shall we? What is personal branding? Does anybody want to give uh, their opinion? Oh, hello, uh, I'm Koen Verbeek uh, from Belgium here. Um, so my take on personal branding is that you uh, you would put yourself in the market and you would like that people know you before they actually meet you. So for example, if you have, uh, as a consultant, you have an interview and they Google you and you pop up on LinkedIn, but also on your blog or on a YouTube channel or whatever. So they get to know you better than all the other candidates and that gives you an edge for example so um, i once talked about thought leadership and personal branding at my company and i asked okay who thinks i'm fairly good at writing sql and most hands went up and said okay but who has actually worked with me in a project yeah no one <laughs> in the room I was like how do you know i'm good at sql and I'm like ah oh, because they may have read articles or blog posts or whatever so this is my take on personal branding and why it can be important for your career Great, thank you. Any other thoughts? Hi there, so Matthias Helke here. So very shortly for me, it's, uh, it's all about trust. It's all mm -hmm. about having your name out there, like you're saying, but that people then have a kind of a preemptive connection with you. Sometimes it can be weird um, facing people who, who know you, that then, then you have, get, have to get to know them. But, but at the end of the day, it does, um, create a, a stronger bond and a stronger trust. And that is worth something. Thank you, we'll, we'll get back to that. Yeah. Hi, I'm Thomas. Uh, I more or less have the, the, the same thing to say, but more uh, like the introspective. I'm no consultant, I work at the company, mm -hmm. but uh, building trust there is also very important. And a colleague of mine, I, I 
I hired him from my previous job and he came into the company and said, well, um, there's, pre, there's, there's trust there because Thomas said it's, they have trust in what Thomas is doing and I just have to, to keep telling the name and the doors are much opener to him. So it's really important for, for working at a company even if you're not in the in the game of, of a, a, a finding a new job or or in the consulting game for me. Very true. Indeed. So let me ask you this then. What's the difference between personal branding and reputation? Anyone want to take that? Tumbleweeds, Tumbleweeds yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right, Mark. <laughs> so I'm Mark. I would say effort. Because personal ah. branding takes a lot of effort and a mm -hmm. lot of thought. And there are some people who are very, very good at it. And, you know, as well, I am not, but I might have a bit of a reputation. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong, Mark. No. You do. So I do realize that this is, Matthias here again, do realize this is a simplistic view, but for me, um, branding is uh, mostly quantitatively it's about how many people or how much you're out there with an aspect of some some quality in there but but reputation is very much quality defined so so how what what kind of image do you actually give people uh, that that's my distinction uh Kuhn again sorry i'll give it right to you um i think personal branding takes more conscious effort of yourself while well, reputation even if you do nothing, other people will have a judgment on you, mm -hmm. which is builds your reputation, even if you don't really have a part in it. Okay. Oh, hi, desk here. I agree with Kuhn. <laughs> 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 it was the same thing that I wanted to say, but I think it is, yeah, the conscious part is like your personal branding and then your reputation is what, how other people perceive you, I mm -hmm. think, what they take from your personal branding. I think that may be the difference. So I'm, I'm Irena, one of the volunteers of Data Minds. Um, yeah, for me, it's also a difference between active and passive, because for me, personal branding is really something actively done by the person, and reputation is really passive, what, what other people see of us. So. I think I, we got everything. We can finish now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but as, as, I was, as I was saying, I think we're going to get... Uh, most of the points that we want to make just by asking the audience. And it turns out that that was exactly the case. Because as you said, active and passive, you do your personal branding, but you don't really do your, your reputation. Well, some of us do, Mark. And, <laughs> but but that, that's more of a consequence of your, your, your actions, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, we had a thought yesterday about like, if you look at an organization, they have one marketing department and one PR department. Marketing is about branding. They are sending information to the market and wants the market to buy their products or services. PR, on the other hand, handles everything that comes to the organization. Everything that's going on on the market that they can't control, but they try to do that by using a PR department or public affairs if you are a very, very large company and try to create an opinion in society. Uh, and I think that is something we also need to be aware of, that we can try to change our reputation. Personal branding can be a way of doing that. But reputation also goes into all of our actions, which was one of the things we talked about in our previous episode, where I saw a 
person that works for a vendor that is a partner of my company that expressed very uh, racist thoughts on LinkedIn. And that impacted both my view of this person, but also my view of the company. Because that then turned into, okay, if he has those opinions, is that something that is common at that company? Which I, before that, had the highest regards for. And we can probably get back to that later on in terms of what is LinkedIn, Twitter, I refuse to call it X. <laughs> they're, they're social media platforms, Simon. Ah, so there are other social media platforms that also exist. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do exist. They do not work yet. He did it. <laughs> he called it exist. <laughs> yeah. So basically, I think we need to review both and that they both impact each other. And it can be very hard to control the reputation. And that is something that consists of both what we do in our community persona, our work persona, and our personal persona. Mm -hmm. Some of you might share that. Um, Personally, I have two very different personas. I care a lot about my personal branding when I'm working, but that is not representative of who I am when I'm in my private life, which got to a point this week, which was really complicated because here I'm nobody. <laughs> I'm the third wheel of knee deep in tech. Uh, and that really impacted my view on myself, not necessarily in a negative way, but something I need to consider. I, I, th I think we need to add a bit of context here. Ah. So as you hopefully are aware, this is a data conference. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> what? Good. Yes. The thing with Simon is he doesn't move in the data circles. This is the first data conference that he's ever been to. And as he said, he kind of feels like a third wheel. The thing is, if we were to do this the opposite way, if we were to go to his home ground, you're going to find that he's not necessarily as important, if you will, as Adam and, uh, Adam and Patrick, but he's close to that. He is, he is a huge name in the endpoint and the security side of things. I have a lot of followers. We don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know why, but that's true. So suddenly he is, he's put in somewhere where you, as you said, you're, you're nobody. And that brings in the, the idea of, of who are you and what, what mm -hmm. is the difference between your different personas mm -hmm. and how many of us are conscious of the different personas? Is that a thing or is that something that you just realize that, wait a second, there's a difference between me in the community, there's a difference between me at work and at home. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I personally think it's quite natural. If we're in different environments, we feel more natural engaging in one way and another place we are maybe... For example, at work, we might be a little more serious. Uh, might not what? apply to these two, but then at home, we might be a little more like, I don't know, joking around, but whatever it is for you. But I think we always have a little bit of like different roles and I don't think we can avoid it fully, actually. And I don't think we need to. We can decide to not share everything in every single context. And I think that's okay. And kind of like how that also ties into the personal branding, because the previous time we did the uh, episode on that ended up in this topic, I really said that I don't personally like the word personal branding. I hate the entire idea of it. 
it has to do <laughs> for me because then it's like, am I putting out like a fake image of me? Mm -hmm. I really like value authenticity and I would like to put as an authentic view of myself out there as possible. Uh, but also from the comments, it maybe also opened a little bit in my mind that maybe those two don't have to contradict, but mm -hmm. I have somehow sometimes felt that if we like direct the personal branding a lot, it can be a little bit pasted on as well. Because something that is, I think, part of your personal branding, whether you like it or not, is how you do your PowerPoints when you doodle. Like that is mm -hmm. a huge part of your personal branding. It's very authentic, mm -hmm. but that is definitely something that people remember. Mm -hmm. True. So without knowing it, you're actually working with personal branding. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's, there's also a bit more context to this. Uh, Haney and I are, as you said, kind of trying to avoid doing the whole personal branding thing. This is a very common theme in the Nordics. You do not want to stand out. And that is kind of weird in a community where we, well, people know our names. They know who we are. And still- They know my slides. They know you. <laughs> that's a good point. They, 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 we, we try to, to, again, not stick out. Simon is very un-Swedish in that way. He set a, a, um, a plan a couple of years back. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm going to do. I am going to social media the shit out of everything I do. And he does. Hmm. And I am amazed by your tenacity and the way that you're doing it. I could not do it the same way. Is that the reason why you're more of a name in, in your community? I don't know, but it might be. You've put more effort into it. Yeah. What do you see as the value you get back from that? I'm interested, like how does it show to you what you are getting from all that effort that you're putting into the personal branding side? So first, the trust from a lot of organizers that I'm invited to conferences, user groups to speak and mm -hmm. that I also like gets invited back. Mm -hmm. It's also about the trust that my employer gives me because I take time of, out of my work schedule to be here, uh, which mm -hmm. might impact them in a financial way too. So it, I, I gain trust, uh, but I also gain, which is a like double-edged sword. I, I also get a lot of like people trust what I say. I always go back to my customer <laughs> that have a recording of me from a conference where I state that I promise you that we, there will be, be, will be no new Windows versions after Windows 10. <laughs> there turned out to be more yes. than Windows 10. We just learned that there might be a Windows 12. Yeah. And we will remind Simon of this every time <laughs> he thinks of it. So I'm thinking about getting recruited to the data community instead. Because nobody had heard you say that. Because you don't have version numbers. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should say that. Yeah, SQL. No. <laughs> but this, this does bring us to an interesting phenomenon. Mm -hmm. you, what you just described is the, the, the effect your personal branding has had on your reputation. Yeah. You're, you have a reputation as trustworthy, mm -hmm. uh, knowledgeable, and all those things. And that's why you get invited to these things. Yeah. Do we ascribe too much weight to a title? Let's kick off with the elephant in the room, the MVP title. What does the MVP title really mean? 
if you ask 10 people, you're going to get at least 11, maybe 12 opinions on what it means in general. But do you instantly feel, oh, MVP, that dude needs to know what they're saying. They will, they will be correct. Or dudes. Dudette. Dudette. Yes. <laughs> that person. So what's your, what's your take? When you hear the word MVP, what, what comes into your, your mind instantly? So for me, it's more or less like a certification in, in a way that uh, you might be knowledgeable. If you have this certification, mm -hmm. you might be knowledgeable. But uh, I usually use the MVP tag describing mm -hmm. other people to, to again, gain trust in me referencing them. Mm -hmm. So they know I bring Brand Oza maybe from the data mm -hmm. people up and say, okay, he knows, but there's just some name for you maybe, or you mm -hmm. maybe, so no, yeah. not you, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not. Yeah. Um, so this helps me to, to invoke trust mm -hmm. in, in those persons. That's a good point. For me, Microsoft should, oh, sorry, Pauline here. Uh, for me, Microsoft should have branded it in a different way because for me, it's a minimum viable product. Which is not the branding you're looking for, I think, as an MVP. <laughs> that, that was... That, that, that is was, accurate. Yes, yeah. that was fantastic. So they need to call it POC instead now, or what? <laughs> <laughs> Proof of... Competence. Yeah. Competence. Yeah. Proof of competence. I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> this went sideways quickly. Yes. <laughs> no, but it, it also brings us to to another interesting thing. I've had clients that specifically said, "Oh no, MVPs. We, we we don't want to deal with those. They 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 talk. They don't know anything. <laughs> we want to have someone who actually knows their things." Yeah. Uh -huh. no, I, I've had the same scenario where organizations have worked with MVPs and the people they have met have, and, and everyone that isn't in the room now should see how everyone is leaning forward in their shares. Uh, <laughs> they feel that MVPs push what Microsoft wants them to push regardless of what the customer needs. And therefore it ends up being a mess. <laughs> now people are leaving. <laughs> that, that's so the, 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 the MVP guy or the, the Microsoft <laughs> guy was now leaving. <laughs> no, but I think that that also impacts like the experiences you've had might mm. actually also impact your reputation, even if you never met the person. Mm. So by having the MVP title as an example can both be positive or negative for your reputation and your, your brand. So it depends on how much you're relying on that in your personal branding. If you're only doing air quotes here, uh, the MVP, that might be both positive and negative. But if you try to try and find a word, add something else to that, then it gets more context. Because when I talk to my customers, yes, I have insights, but I'm not bought by Microsoft. No, but it's all, all about the, the trust of how did you become an MVP or how did you become a Databricks, what's the word? Champion champion oh. you, you never know right are you are you there to just push an agenda in order to curry favor with that company or are you working your butt off to give something to the community and as a thank you for your sins you were handed a title you don't know so we're back to the whole trust issue 
Yeah. Do you trust the person or do you trust the title? I think there's also an aspect here that we might have a specific intention about how we want to brand ourselves outwards. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, like, oh, I want to do authentic stuff and whatever you want to call that. <laughs> <laughs> but how that could be perceived by somebody else and how it could actually be reflected in my reputation could be something completely opposite mm-hmm. to what I, what my initial intentions were. We can keep going with hot takes and Mark, you're going to love this. Take a new product from Microsoft. It may or may not be called Fabric. <laughs> there are so many opinions on Fabric. It is in, in, in uh, public preview, so it's nowhere near done. We were, we're in agreement with that. But there are so many people pushing Fabric. Is this because Fabric is literally the best thing since sliced bread? Or is it because you might want to try to build your career on getting in early on a new product and making sure that you make a lot of noise and get associated with fabric. So some of you are frowning, some of you are saying yes, and some of you are shaking your heads. That's an interesting opinion. What, what's, your, what's your take on that statement? Is that a thing or am I completely off, off the rails? You are, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I think regardless of what opinion you have, they're a little bit afraid of you now, Alex. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. You were very clear in your opinions. I like fabric. <laughs> it did not sound that way. We, we have had episodes that point in another direction. I like most of fabric. <laughs> um, so it's, it's not directly answering your question, but uh, we are trying to adopt fabric. And mm-hmm. I um, intentionally used the, the branding and the movement mm-hmm. to drive the cloud movement we are in. Yeah. So we are completely on-premise, we're a mm. banking company, and uh, use this this publicity. We are not yeah. going for fabric because uh, it's not the only reason mm. we're doing this, but I try to, to push it forward with this publicity yeah. Microsoft is generating. And I think that is a very good point because that's reasons why some of my customers want to be early with new features because they see that they might get more help it's a little bit out of topic. That's something we could talk about when we talk about the beta testing that we had in our previous episode. For sure. Uh, but uh, I do think that's a very good point. So let's shift gears a bit and look at behavior. We generally have codes of conduct at our events. Those are generally a good thing, I would argue. It depends on where you go, if it's a big code of conduct or just a small don't be. I'm not going to use that word. No, <laughs> don't. Just, just don't. But how would you say that your behavior would impact your, your reputation? Because it's not going to impact your, your, well, it will impact your personal brand, but it's more of the, the, uh, mm-hmm. the reputation. Do you see a correlation between someone behaving badly at a party or at a session or an event or online, would you say that that impacts your view of their reputation? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very short answer. <laughs> yeah, I think how people behave at events and they show their person, you immediately link it to the personality like, oh, that person is a little bit of an asshole or whatever. <laughs> or, uh, and, and immediately, yeah, you form some sort of opinion and you already mm-hmm. think, oh, I never want to work with them. 
But if someone is really friendly, like you guys, and like, ah, if maybe some point in the future we can do a project together, you immediately think in your head like, ah, I'm looking forward to work with them because they're a really nice person, just the way how they behave in social events. Matthias here again. I think you're bringing up a really interesting take on this because if reputation was working as it should in itself, I don't think we would need code of conducts because if you misstep, you would be equally judged and you would probably face some consequences. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we need code of conducts also showed that reputation, the common reputation between people and what we perceive as okay, may be biased, maybe not okay, and code of conducts can help shift that perception. Kun, back again. I'm not 100% uh, agreeing with this because I think reputation comes afterwards and it's to spread by word of mouth and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I hear people saying, ah, oh, that happened at that conference like a year ago. I was like, oh, I had no idea that this yeah. person did this or that. Uh, well, a code of conduct gives the organizers a clear uh, way to act. If something happens, mm -hmm. they can say, ah, oh, this is our code of conduct, you agreed and you went out of line and they can act immediately. So, so what you're basically saying is that the code of conduct exists there so that you can refer to it afterwards and say, these were the rules and everybody should have known them. Is that it? <laughs> this, will be, this will be interesting. There will be now be a bit of a ping pong. Can I, this is Mark. Can I ask a question? Did yeah. anyone read the code of conduct? Yes. Yeah. Actually read it or did you just go, yeah, I agree. Like you do with the Apple terms and conditions. I know, I know that you, you have to. But it's, but of the room, hardly anyone has read it because I assume they think they know what it is. But you could put anything in there. Like, you know, you, you're agreeing to a pint of blood being given automatically <laughs> as soon as you enter the event. So I'm not sure it's doing what it's doing if no one is reading it. Yeah, so... Well, generally, they're accompanied with be nice and don't be an asshole. So I think most people have the most like common sense like what to do and what not to do. But... I really think, legally speaking, organizers have a right to say, this is in the code of contact, you agree to it. I know it's like terms of uh, whatever, when you buy a software product, but they legally can say, you violated it, you agree to it. We can remove you from this premises, even though you paid for it. So, uh, so I think it's very important to have one. So I, I want to add to that. The, the code of conduct, yes, it's clearly a bit of a guardrail. And as Matthias said, why would we need it if this was not an issue? And that's exactly my point. Mm -hmm. We clearly live in an echo chamber. We clearly live in a small community, which is biased, meaning that we need something like a code of conduct to drive a change in behavior. So that's my take on it. What do you want to add to that, Diana? No, just comment to Mark, maybe. What he described was kind of subscribing to licensing uh, terms of Microsoft. Maybe it's familiar. <laughs> <laughs> you just get, I agree, and nobody reads to it, right? <laughs> so sh shrink wrap uh, uh, licensing, yes. And uh, no, it's not a pint of blood because we are not in the UK. <laughs> it is a deciliter of blood that you go for. But no, good, good points. That, that brings us to the whole idea of, of the echo chamber. Mm -hmm. Are we policing ourselves in this community, would you say? Do we accept uh, out-of-line behavior? What, what's your thought? Well, I, I think it's a really 
interesting topic because we are all individuals and we, for I'm example, not. react to conflicts differ- differently. Mm-hmm. I, especially when I was younger, I did not deal with conflict well. Like I would not want to step up to somebody else and be like, hey, you're out of line or even go and tell somebody that, hey, you're out of line. I wasn't comfortable with that. So I think we do need to understand like there's even with a group, there's a variety of people and we have different capabilities to handle different kinds of situations. So also, I do think we need to give the room for people to process those situations differently. And hopefully, when, if we have a kind of a diverse enough group, there will be people who are willing to step up and say something and kind of once you get support from each other, also maybe us who are not naturally so inclined to say something are then able to do so. Indeed. That went a little everywhere. But yeah. No, but I, I agree. And this is also where the, the whole uh, reputation comes back because if someone with a perceived bigger reputation mm-hmm. behaves in a bad way, that is going to impact, again, the whole echo chamber. Everything is going to shift. The normalcy will shift. We, okay, maybe it is okay to behave that way. But on the other side, if someone with a perceived higher reputation goes in and says, no, that shit does not stand, well, we are shifting it back again. So yeah. it, it's I, a double-edged sword. I don't think you necessarily have to have a higher status. No. To, <laughs> sorry, no. I, that just kind of caught my ear. I don't think you need to have a higher status to be able to point somebody out and for people to take you seriously at least in this community that's my feeling and experience mm. it might not be true everywhere though so I, I want to add to this I used to be a paramedic before I started mm. in the community yeah, Alex as well. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but in Germany where I'm from there's actually laws require me as a medical professional uh, there, are, there are higher standards for helping people mm. in need, so it's in the mm. law. So yeah. it's more or less uh, what we're discussing built into a law. So yeah. there might be some sense doing that. Yeah. Alex has a lot of stories about his previous lives. You might not remember them, right? No. But, but I do think we are onto something here because there might be instances where the personal branding has been so successful that the reputation won't take such a big impact even if you behave in a bad way. Mm-hmm. That is something we can see in the corporate world for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and where we also see things like sports washing, green washing, all of these things, which to some extent we can also find within the community, unfortunately, where we might do things to strengthen our personal brand so much that some might accept a behavior that we wouldn't accept from others. And that is a danger, in my opinion, uh, and something to to consider moving forward as well. Uh, Because I do think that with a lot of things moving or moved online during COVID, we can have a very strong personal brand coming out of a virtual reputation, which might not at all be reflective of how we are in in real life. Just thinking out loud this might be ridiculous but if you only act in the like the online space then does it matter what you are like outside of that online environment now we're getting to yeah <laughs> now we're getting to the point because now we're back to different social medias mm-hmm. as an example where i feel that a social media platform can mean a lot of things 
I'm always very careful in what I post, especially on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. because that will impact my employer's reputation as well, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I do not always agree with what my employer does, <laughs> and therefore I won't um, like, like that as an example. Mm -hmm. If you then look at Twitter, for me, Twitter has always been a very community-focused mm -hmm. aspect for me. So I might say things on Twitter, which I won't say on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And then we have Facebook, which I try to not use uh, and never have. But that is more of my personal sphere, mm -hmm. where I post more personal things. But of course, all of these three adds up to my reputation and my personal branding. I just are very careful on what I post at each channel. Uh, and that is something that you also should be considerate about. If you have opinions on Facebook, which you do not share on LinkedIn, and someone finds out about that, it will definitely impact your reputation, regardless of the platform. I think that at this day and age, it would be actually possible to just have, for example, a LinkedIn or Twitter presence and do just online events and never show your face anywhere. Yeah. And not have like that side revealed. I just find it like a weird thought <laughs> that that would actually be possible at this day and time. It's it's quite possible. So uh, there is something called lock sport. Uh, people picking locks for for sport and that that's well people find that to be fun. There's the most uh, successful guy is called lock picking lawyer. Nobody knows who he is. Mm -hmm. He never shows his face. And he has four point something million followers mm -hmm. on, on YouTube. So mm -hmm. it's definitely doable. I have not seen it done in the data community. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly, I think, because nobody thought of it. Mm -hmm. But that would be interesting. We, we cannot all be Simon Whiteley. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> exactly. The other Simon? Uh, the other Simon, exactly. Question. But then... Do you evaluate a person's personal branding by the number of followers they have? Is That's that a it? fantastic that question. Is, that is a very good question. Yeah. No, I would not. I do think that is an indicator of how successful you are at personal branding. It doesn't say anything about how competent you are at your job. Or your reputation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would rather say the opposite if i'm finding someone that i do not know about but has a lot of followers i would look into how has that happened what are they posting mm -hmm. uh, but that is because i also work with insecurity so i on a regular <laughs> cadence get people that wants to connect with me that have like 300 common connections with me and are absolute scams mm -hmm. uh, so i do think that the number of followers from an employer point of view obviously can be valuable when I joined my previous employer, I had more followers than that company. Uh, I still have more reach than my own company, even though they have more followers. So obviously that is an asset I bring into the company, mm -hmm. but it doesn't really say anything about how I'm able to perform my job. Also, I think there is the fact that I think we as consultants might ask quite often, what are you trying to aim for with your personal brand? Mm -hmm. Also, you might not even want to reach million followers. It no. depends what you're doing and what you're trying to aim. Yeah. So probably a more more accurate indicator would be like, are you actually able to reach the things that you're trying to do with your personal yeah. branding rather than the count of followers? Yeah. 
So I just wanted to add that I do approve of code of conduct, and I think they should be there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I did have a question. So how do you think the personal brand and reputation then help you when you are trying to progress your career, perhaps even within the same organization, let alone outside? Hmm. I, I do think it matters. Um, dependent on if you want to use it to promote your employer, which might not mm. be the case. That is also something that I had in previous jobs as well, not so common nowadays, where I chose my shirt after who paid for the trip. Uh, because if my employer wouldn't want me to be there, then I would be there in my community persona, as an example. But I do definitely think that being active in a community is something I would value as an employer. But some employers do not see that. Um, and I think that can also be a cultural thing. Yeah, I just want to add that I don't see personal branding only as a thing that happens in the community or... Nope. Externally, mm -hmm. you can also have a personal brand within your organization, yeah, of which course. definitely could help propel your career forward within yeah. that organization. Again, going back to building up trust mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, you can do all sorts of great things and yeah. great achievements. But if people don't know know about them, yeah. meh. And, and to that, I had a it was actually quite painful experience when I started at my my current job where I had and have colleagues where when I had the first meetings with them said, I apologize, but I will get things done that you have tried to do for years based on who I am. Did we mention that he's Swedish? <laughs> yeah, but I said that. And, and it's not, and I was very clear that you have always said the right thing, but your brand is not as strong as mine. And I apologize for that but I will do my utmost to ensure that you get the credit you deserve. So basically by saying that this person have said for years that you should do it, I think you really should. So I obviously do not want to take credit for something that my colleagues have said for years, but my brand is stronger than many of their brands and therefore we can get things to happen. And that is still very painful because that is so unfair. The force in this one is strong. And the force of <laughs> keeping track of time is not so strong. That's because Haney haven't shown the no, pictures. No, <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. So we, we are absolutely running. Well, we, we already ran out of time. Ten minutes but, ago. Yes. But Kun, you're going to do the last comment. I have a question for you guys. Uh, a person, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you say that your podcast is an exercise in personal branding that you started? <laughs> that is a fantastic question. And the the thing is, we've, we've talked about it. Yeah. And we, Simon and I started this project as, uh, well, this sounds kind of cool. We, we're going to try it. And we expected to do it for about two weeks. Mm -hmm. We're still here. And I think it's evolved very much for me from a just a fun thing to do and hang out with a friend to, wait a second, this this gives me the opportunity to talk to really interesting people yeah. and have to think about news in a way that is way more than just news running by. I need to think about the news in order to talk about the news. So in many ways, this is giving me a lot. And at the same time, I, I get to share my thoughts. And for some reason, about a thousand people every month <laughs> seems to think that this is a good idea. So. Yeah, that, that's my take. What's, what's yours? 
There is a reason why we have stickers. There is a reason why we have our shirts. There is a reason why we use the same logo. Uh, and it's a reason why Alexander designed it the way he did. We obviously want to be a brand. And that was something we had a lot of discussions on. Because when we started the podcast, we both had blogs on our own and so on. How should we basically be part of this? So it's a brand. I do definitely think that it impacts our personal brands as well. Mm-hmm. But... In all honesty, like Alex said, we we started off trying this out and it's still one of the best moments of my week when we record because I get to speak to two fantastic people that know a lot of things that I don't. And that will always be the most important thing. We have, of course, like these people work with data. So obviously we, (laughs) we get the data and we are interested in it. But I don't think we would care if we had 20 listeners or 20,000 listeners. But to, to add to your question, Kuhn, the fact that we are here yeah. at one of the premier events mm-hmm. in the world, mm-hmm. and I don't say that lightly, means that we will, we've got on, on someone's radar enough to give us the space for one slot because mm-hmm. it's, this is a coveted slot. So we seem to have some kind of reputation. Maybe not up there with Mark, <laughs> but almost. Or that other Simon. That other Simon. Simon. So we are absolutely out of time. And what we can take away from this is that reputation is probably going to be the sum, the net sum of, of your private life mm-hmm. or your public life, or if you will, your, your work life, your community life, all those things together. And everything you do will impact the rest of whatever you do. You want to add to something? To that? I've spoken enough. I would have to agree. Yes. Haney? Yes. <laughs> Haney says yes. And with that, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for all the wonderful comments and the, the, the questions. And I hope we get to do this again. And until next week, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Need in Tech. Need in Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Haini Hilmarinen. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at needinbintech.com.